Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have the opportunity to speak with Brinley Workman. I've not met Brinley before. This is my first time speaking with her, but I'm super excited. I've heard good things about her. And so Brinley, would you um, introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, so I'm Brinley Workman. I've just grown up in the St. George area. And I, uh, when I was 12, I got to start off with good old Key of Liberty and um just each successive year after that, um, taking different Lemmy projects. And and then eventually, uh, after I got married, I got to teach, uh, I got to mentor classes uh, with co-mentoring with my mom a few times and um, classes on my own. And it's just been super, super wonderful. And I've learned learned so much, been blessed so much by the uh, Lemmy curriculum and projects and the people. So I'm, I'm grateful to be here. So how old were you when your mom started homeschooling you or your family? Uh, it was technically in third grade for me, which, what is that? Eight, nine, eight, nine years oldish. Um, that was the first year she pulled us all out and uh, my mom will say herself that was a rough year I don't remember it being a rough year I was just like this is cool this is fun and <laughs> but for my mom apparently it was a rough time and I can totally see why the next year uh, I went to a charter school uh, for fourth grade and then fifth grade um, was when we were all homeschooled uh, officially and then from then on out we've we've pretty much all been homeschooled. Um, I went to a semester of high school my senior year, and then um, some of my siblings have also done things similar to that. But How many siblings do you have? I have six. Oh, six. Wow. So what uh, made your mom want to homeschool? She just was like, oh, I'm done. Or <laughs> <laughs> She, uh, from what she's told me, um, the her main issue was the uh for lack of a kinder term stupid books we were always bringing home that we were supposed to read <laughs> and uh, you know my mom is a person of depth and quality and she did not appreciate that our literature that we were supposed to be reading was so lacking in anything that nourishes the soul <laughs> and so I, that was the main thing and then just seeing you know the the lack of quality in uh schoolwork and uh, like the homework we brought home and things like that but it was definitely the books that <laughs> that set her off so i think that's interesting that you bring that up because i i mean i my mom started homeschooling my older sister and then then shortly after I started homeschooling but it wasn't until I was like 11 that we actually started doing like TJ ed and our, top, our leadership education and I, I can notice like a, a 
my mom always read to us and we always had like good books, but just like the level of, of good books that we were exposed to jumped. And I can kind of remember that when my mom was like, oh, wow, we need to start doing more of the classics and including that more. And it's hard to know what life would, is like otherwise. You know what I mean? Like, so like having gone through most of my early education and obviously all my older education, reading good books, I don't have a huge exposure to bad books, <laughs> Good but, <for> you. <laughs> well, but now my children have decided that they like to listen to books. And so I've, you know, they, they now because technology have vast amounts of access to free audiobooks through like Libby and Scribd and all these things. And now I've discovered there's a lot of dumb books. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just so frustrated. I literally had this conversation with my 10 year old today. You cannot just listen to dumb books. You've got to pick books. I didn't say dumb because I didn't want to like offend her and, you know, hurt her, but you have to pick, you have to listen to books, not just things that are like, you know, entertaining, you know? And so I think it's really interesting that sometimes for those of us who are veterans to leadership education we just take the classics for granted about how much they do nourish our soul and we don't realize that the most of the world is used to just dumb books fluff as my mom calls it fluff that's probably a better word that's a better it's not dumb it's a good story it's fun and entertaining but it, yeah it's fluff just a lot of fluff i'm glad that you kind of brought that up because it's an interesting perspective to think like am i giving my children fluff with their time or am I giving them substance? Mm -hmm. yep. So then um, what made your mom try to get involved in a commonwealth or, or get involved with like leadership education? Um, I, she read the book, uh, Thomas Jefferson Education. Um, and I, I can't remember which one of her friends introduced her to it, but I know reading that book is what got her on that path for sure. Because it, it just really spoke to all of the things that she had been feeling and, and um, seeing in the school systems um, over all the years. And it just basically gave a, a voice to what she had been yearning deep down for. Yeah, my mom likes to say truth is truth and it's everywhere. So even though we, you know, she found leader, the book and, and leadership education when I was like 12 or 11, it's still what she was pretty much knowing and moving towards an understanding and mm -hmm. so it's like it's already resonated with her so do you have a like a favorite project that you were in or if not a favorite one that you really enjoyed more than the others i i really loved quest that was that's the one that just really impacted my life and that could have been just because i was older and more uh able to be impacted <laughs> but i i really loved that class and i had great mentors for that class um but i i loved all the other ones that i took of course and i um was very devoted to each one <laughs> yeah i i like that you brought up that you were when you were older you were able to appreciate quest more because i know uh years ago I had someone in my community who wanted to put their like 10 year old into a class that was more appropriate for older kids. Yeah. And there really is that one of the things I love about leadership education is that 
it incorporates that child development. And even in the scholar projects, I mean, it's one, you know, phase, but within that there's those sub phases and it, it really is important and makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it about Quest particularly that just really was the difference for you? Like you kind of mentioned your mentors, but was it the content? What was like, what? Cause it's the hardest class. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, well, I've always loved learning. And so for me, the intense nature of it, there's so much learning to be done. I, I honestly appreciated, but for me, the thing that really just endears quest to my heart <laughs> is because of the focus on great people and how just week after week it was reading books of amazing people and then giving a presentation and writing a paper and just really getting to know these people that did amazing things but were normal people you know and to me that was so so inspiring and there's a lot of talk and quest about mission, you know, what, what, what's your mission in life? And, um, I sometimes found that a little daunting because in my adolescent brain, I was like, I need to save an orphanage in Uganda. That's like, that's a mission, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so I didn't fully understand it, but, but when I came away from quest, I, while I didn't know what my mission was in life, I I just had a really profound and deep desire to do God's will, whatever it was. Because for me, I had seen that in all the lives of the people that we had studied. You know, they they all did great things, but they did great things because they were initially striving to follow God's will for them. And so I, I just felt so deeply that that's what my life mission was in a way was to follow God's will, which, um, kind of, they're the same thing, but that's, that, uh, was a message that sunk really deep into my heart. That's really inspiring. So of the, did you, <clears throat> Did you get, did you, just refresh me on the class. So you study the characteristics of a statesman, which are wisdom, virtue, diplomacy, courage, inspire greatness in others, and... Moving the cause of liberty. Oh yeah, moving the cause of liberty. Okay. So do you get to pick who you study for that or do they have you? Yeah, we got to, we got to pick. Yeah. So who did you, oh, go ahead. Well, first semester, they have to read about, you know, and, and study people that we tell them to, basically. And then second semester, they pick their own. Oh, okay. I, I just, my son's in it right now. So that's <laughs> <why>. <laughs> it's fresh. <laughs> well, I, I took the class, but it was still under development. I think I was in the first <laughs> first class that Tiffany ever put together so it's changed a lot since I was so in you're class. you were a guinea pig is what you're saying yes yeah yeah <laughs> me and my friends were guinea pigs happy to be so but yes. <laughs> but so my my question from then is um 
Did did you study much of Gandhi? Did you have to read about Gandhi? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And is do you read his speech? Is that what you read, or is it you read a book about him? Um, I I read a book about him. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Right now they have both a book and then also a document that they yes. use. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is a question I have, and if you don't want me to answer this question, you can cut it out, Heidi. <laughs> so my question is how do, okay so i i have this question in mind because gandhi comes from a world view of hindu right which i think uh, i'm assuming you you come from a biblical christianity view, yeah. worldview so i want to know how gandhi's relationship with the divine because you talked a lot about how the class inspired you to, to mm -hmm. seek a relationship with the divine and, and, and gain that sense of mission. So I want to know if or how Gandhi inspires us, and Heidi, you can answer the same thing, about our relationship with the divine, and how did he do that? Because I think, I think you hit on some truth there, Brindley. I think there's truth that that is a characteristic of the statesman, where they, they do walk a path of, I don't know if it's necessarily... Like, you know, like submitting to God's will, right? They do walk that path. But how did it look like in Gandhi's life? Right. Is that an okay question to ask? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. That's actually something I've thought a lot about um, with other religions and cultures. Like, what what is it like for them to adhere to a divine will? Which, you know, just because the, the divine that they imagine is, is different than ours, you know, but... For me, I, for Gandhi, it was obvious that he was seeking to bring about good based on, on true principles, right? And so for me, I, I, and maybe this is just an assumption, but I felt like he was led in, um, in some way at least because he, uh, he was governed by true principles in his life, you know, with of course a dash of his own culture in there that we might be like, that was weird, but you know, that that to me didn't quite count as much in, in the add up of things. <laughs> I, I love how you phrased that. Cause I think that really just like hit it on the nail on the head, which is governed by true principles, which I think is, is a, a really amazing way to look at how as a leader or as even, you know, just a parent, which isn't just a thing, it's a big thing, <laughs> but um, we, we can choose to be tyrannical in our parenting, or we can choose to be governed by true principles, whether, you know, not, and those principles, I think, you know, even though they manifest different in Hindu belief, they still are founded in the same kind of idea you know like the things that come to mind is is you know when they later in life and he was living in that uh, in the village with his wife and they have the different caste systems but he refused to allow his wife to continue those caste systems you know but that they, that and his wife you know that they would fulfill those roles i don't know if i'm i'm fully accounting the whole story but like uh and he and he demanded that his wife also 
fulfill those roles that those lower castes were usually doing. And she really struggled with that. But he was like, no, you don't understand. This inequality has to stop. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, even though his culture had a prevalence of of this, he had a firm grasp of truth. And, and we can all agree on that truth of equality exists, you know, because of us being humans. <laughs> or, you know, I don't know how he described it, but... I think, you know, in Christianity would say we're all made in the image of God and therefore I'll have all this, equi- we're all have this equality. We don't necessarily are, aren't equal, but we have equality, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just <laughs> I wanted to ask that question just because, and I think that's a really beautiful way to like really perceive it is that even if I'm studying somebody who I don't have this same worldview, they can, they, I think great leaders are still governed by, by this will to do good. Mm-hmm. which is so fascinating to think about. Yeah, I think one of the really a- amazing things about the Quest project is that we are looking at these these true principles and we're helping our scholars look and see those true principles in cultures other than just the ones that we're familiar with, that they're familiar with. I mean, they they also are reading The Chosen and looking at you know, um, the Jewish culture. I mean, it's really two different sects of uh, Judaism, you know, and seeing how they're different and how they work together or don't. And um, anyway, and then on um, in quest three, they go deep into that. And it is an amazing thing to see these kids who come out of this, not only understanding themselves better, but also being able to relate to all of these different worldviews and respect and appreciate them in a much deeper way. Which is so important in our world today because there's just so much contempt for other people who don't believe the same way, you know? And so I just think there's so much value in really getting to know other worldviews and being able to respect them, you know, because so many people, their choices, even if you disagree with them, they make sense once you know what they believe and and you realize, oh, of course you would act that way because you believe this thing, you know? And so you can have respect for people's choices and, and not, you know, harbor so much contempt in your heart for them. I literally had this conversation with my niece today. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about a particular family member who has decided to um, join a certain faith and and then now is of the opinion that everyone else is wrong and we're just talking about like oh you know that's their you know that's fine I'm really happy that they, they found a, a faith that they can agree with and stuff and and they could definitely think I'm wrong there's nothing I don't have a problem with that I think the problem we have is is if you can't accept where I believe and then we can we fight over beliefs. I think fighting over belief, I think, is is not very effective. We can we can fight about doctrine, or we can argue about points, or we can argue about these other things. But fighting about my belief versus your belief isn't super helpful. And then she's like, "Why do why do people persecute each other, anyways?" And and she's like, and and then she said, "So I like I really haven't been persecuted that much, though. I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty lucky." And I'm like, "Yeah, pretty lucky too. I've been spit at before." <laughs> 
And she's like, wait, what? When were you ever spit at? And I was like, well, when I was serving for my church and uh, was living in the former Soviet Union, and we got spit on. And I'm like, yeah, it was kind of a common thing. They spit on us. And like, that's atrocious. Like, why would they spit on you? She was like so upset. And I'm like, yeah, I was pretty upset too. Um, and then one day we were on a bus and this older gentleman told us the reason why they would like treat us like that was because like, I guess during the Soviet times and the education systems, they'd show them a movie and they'd show them everything about different beliefs. And they, you know, took my faith and portrayed it as us being really terrible, horrible people. And so I was like, once I understood that they saw us as these terrible, horrible people, it made more sense as to why they spit on us, right? <laughs> still wasn't nice to be spat on, and it still wasn't like a pleasant experiment, but understanding that they saw me this way, I had a lot more compassion towards being spit on <laughs> than prior to me just like man why do they hate me so much this is so hard and like so like just being able to understand where the persecution was coming from changed my whole perspective on the persecution right like it no longer was as painful or as damaging because i understood why you know and so i i think it's really powerful you bring that up it's like if you can have an understanding of the perspective it can help you really you know for your own sanity's sake <laughs> really help you a lot. So I love that about Quest. So um, you said that you went and you mentored other projects. Do you have, you want to share some experience you had like going through, so you went through the projects and then you turned around and you mentored the project. So mm -hmm. did you, do you have a different, do you, did you have a different experience coming from the point of a mentor instead of a student? Um, yes, I, I know at least <laughs> um, the when as a student, when I took Pyramid Project, I did not care for it at all. And there's like personal reasons for that. And then just other reasons that were going on with the class. And 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 so I kind of always had a not happy place in my heart for Pyramid. <laughs> but then later, um, uh, I think two years ago, uh, my mom and I had the chance to co-mentor that one. And I really enjoyed mentoring that class. And that that was really wonderful to have a, a new outlook on that class. Um, but um, I don't I don't know, I, I it is definitely educational to see things from the point of the mentor in the sense that, wow, so much work goes into these. I appreciated the classes then, but I really appreciate them now. <laughs> We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. I know I feel really bad because when I first started training, I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old, and I really didn't have a lot of, like, patience for the mentors. I'm like, just do the class. Just teach the class. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and then now I'm a parent, and now I teach. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so overwhelming. 
where do I get the time to prepare all this stuff? I don't have the time to do this. So I have way more sympathy for the mentors now than I did when I was younger. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel really bad. Like, sometimes thinking back, I'm like, I was not very nice. So try to be way nicer now. <laughs> it's funny how different phases that you go through in life push you and make you grow in different ways and and help you in different ways when you need them. So do you have any experience in the Commonwealth? One of the things we like to ask is, is how did being part of a Commonwealth benefit you as a child or you as a kid or, or a family? Absolutely. Um, I just think there's so much merit to being with people who, uh, who, uh, your ideas can be bounced off of, right? <laughs> people that can give you critique and, you know, there's skills like, uh, you know, just giving presentations like that, that skill is so valuable and that can really only be obtained if you have someone to present to. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know at least for myself, simply the skill of presenting that I was able to cultivate through all of those years of Lemmy projects um, has blessed my life so much. Um, I often tell people that you'll be just fine in college if you know how to read well, if you can write well, and if you can present well. <laughs> if you can do those three things and know how to learn for yourself, you'll be just fine. <laughs> um, no, my boys were like, okay, college is a breeze after, yeah. you know, the Lemmy projects. So. Yeah, absolutely. It was, I, when I was in college, it, I was kind of astounded to to see to find out how easy it was if you just have the right tools you know um other things that i uh loved about the homeschool community just i mean there there is a lot to be said about the fun part of it you know like just the dances and the the different class parties and you know a, a group of people that you you truly enjoy being with and, and that you make memories with and and in my opinion it's they're relationships that can be so much more rewarding than than often what you can uh cultivate in like a public school system and I I, for instance, I just loved the more uh, personal relationship you can have with your mentors. I loved that. And, you know, to this day, I have, there's many of my past mentors that are my dear friends, <laughs> you know, and I, I just love that. It really, the Commonwealth um, setting, it just, it really does feel like an extension of your family in a way, you know, to be surrounded by people who very much so have the same values and ideals as your family. And there's so much power in being at home and, and having these ideals and values that your family tries to instill in you. Right. And then to go 
to a place where that is just reiterated and supported by other people, um, other other parents, other scholars, you know. Um, I just think there's so much strength in in the Commonwealth system and homeschool groups in general. I think they're so valuable. I like how you bring up the aspect of the fun element. You know, I think sometimes we look at it and we're like, oh, this is just a scholar endeavor, which I think it is. I mean, obviously we do a lot of academically rigorous things and push the kids hard. But I think, like looking back, my husband, we held a party right after I, I maybe was married like three or three or four years and we um, held a party with like, like all my friends that got back together. We had moved back. We had gone to Virginia and we had come back. And so we're like, oh, let's have a party with all our friends in the area. And I hadn't seen these friends for a really long time. We'd all gone to college, got married, had kids, all these things. And we all got together in the room. And he's like, I've never been in a place where people literally haven't seen each other in years. And it's like they never left. <laughs> you guys were, you could talk and have conversations. You had great fun. You had a lot of, there was no awkwardness. Everyone was happy to be there. Everyone showed up. There wasn't anything weird. It's like, that is so unique. And I was like, oh, I just thought that's reality. I thought that's how everyone's high school reunions went. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like, no way. I'm, I would never even imagine going to my high school reunion. Why would I do that? There's no one I know from high school that I would ever associate with. And I think you're right. Like being able to have fun and, and hang out with those kids, you know, all have similar values, all have, you know, similar family structures. It, it really does create a very close bond that allows you to, to really have have fun and be real and, and make real connections like make real mm -hmm. friendships and i love how you bring in the aspect of fun too because sometimes it's not necessarily what happens in the commonwealth but like the party that happens on friday you know and everyone comes to and i i don't i don't know if this was just how my family did things but we would throw like a party almost every friday during the mm -hmm. school week school year and everyone would come to like our house or our friend's house and everyone was invited. Like everyone from the Commonwealth was invited. We call, it's before the age of, you know, internet, we call everybody, you know? <laughs> and, and so like, even, you know, people find that weird, but it's to me, like, it's just, I think part of what the Commonwealth fosters, you know, we all work together and we all play together and it was a lot of fun. So if you, were to the, the name of this podcast is Lemmy Works. So if someone were to come to you and say, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about this Lemmy stuff, what would you say to them? I would say that <laughs> it has enriched my life beyond belief. <laughs> the just simply the love of learning that is fostered in throughout all these projects how how you approach homework right is it changes your life and it it helps you become a lifelong learner and I something I've I've seen a lot is that people just attribute learning to school being in school my school years are a time for learning um, when I'm in school, I learn, right? And it's, you're, 
you're meant to learn your whole life. You know, there's so many things to know and to learn and, and uh, so many ways we can become better. And it's, it's all about learning. And that's what let me, I found how one of the biggest ways that it helped me was that I just had such a love of learning fostered in me that blesses my life still you know I haven't technically been in official school for uh two and a half years now but I would say that some of my some of my best learning has happened in the past two and a half years right and I I don't want to <laughs> um bag on public school too much <laughs> uh but the semester that I did go to high school, it just really made exceedingly clear <laughs> the the absolute differences between those between a public school education and a Thomas Jefferson education, right? And I it it kind of blew me away to see how vastly different. They were one of the biggest things being that in the Lemmy education I got, there's a love of learning. And in public school, there's almost none. <laughs> okay, so it's almost none. There's some, there's definitely some, but there's there's not, it's pretty squished out <laughs> At of At least of what I saw. <laughs> by the time you get to high school, maybe, but senior year especially, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, um had a thought while you were talking I was oh yeah about lifelong learning so I was while you were talking I was thinking oh I wonder if if that's the case like do I do I keep learning and then I was thinking about the books that I read this last month and I was like wow I'm all over the place I like read a book about um not Brunelleschi Botticelli and his lost art and like it was totally this random story about that and then I read Culture Code which is totally different. And then I read Mansfield Park. <laughs> so, um, and then I was trying to read um, Soren Kierkegaard, but my brain is is not yet recovered from having children. So I'm still struggling <laughs> with, uh, with those um, deeper philosophy books. So I have read, uh, actually did read a philosophy book. That's not true. I was reading um, Piaget. I was starting to read some Piaget. So yeah, you're right. Like if you instill these in you know, the idea of life, love, learning in, you know, and I'm a full-time mom. Like I just listen to books while I clean. The only way I get any reading done is listening to things while I clean my house. But I have four kids and I have a messy house and I always have at least a couple hours worth of cleaning every day just to keep on top of things. So yeah, that adds up, you know, if you <laughs> do all your chores and listen to your books so I think it's I love how you pointed that out it's like if you're trying to instill a relationship with learning with your children like the projects really do help foster that through like just the way they're structured yeah and I think another thing with the lifelong learning and um, something I love that let me fostered was that my identity wasn't based so much on things that can come and go you know I'm a dancer or I I do this sport right my identity really became a learner a scholar you know that's what I saw myself as that's what I identified as and I just 
I don't know. That was just me. Just me. But I feel like there's a lot of merit to having identifiers that will last no matter what. Even if you're a mom with four kids and you have so much cleaning to do, you know, that you that's still an identity that you can cherish in your heart, you know, that I, I'm always learning. That's that's who I am. And you know, in addition to that, there is so much um focus in all the Lemmy projects on character who you are you know and I I think that's also again such an important identity to to hold on to because that's that is of lasting value I had a conversation recently with a a student I'm working with and I just was like trying to figure out some different problems and different issues and some things came up and I told them, like, I think the most important thing that you could work on right now is just being honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself. Just go down and just, just choose to be honest. It's really, and, and, and then I'm like, I'm like sitting here, I'm like, why am I having a conversation with this child telling them to be honest? This isn't like a church class. This isn't like, you know, but like, you're right. When it comes down to it, if you want to be successful in life, you have to have character. Honesty has to be part of that. So it does matter. It, it matters way more than having your lines fully memorized. It, it's way more important that I spend X amount of time helping you understand that it's going to be way more painful for you in life if you're not honest. There'd yeah. be way more pain. And what I love about having mentors is that, you know, through all these projects, you're surrounded by people who who can give you that sort of feedback, you know, better than just like a regular teacher, you know, they can, they're in a position where they can help you see those flaws that you might need to work on, you know, and, and in such a loving way and, and in an educational way, because that's education learning. It's just, it's just growing, you know? And so the growth of your character is very much so included in the growth of your intellect. Right. And, I remember a big thing for me, I, at first, uh, let's see, was it in quest in quest at the beginning? I, for various reasons, I didn't want to talk a lot. I, I felt very scared to, to voice my opinion in, in a class where there was just, we were discussing big things. Right. And I, anyway, so I was quiet a lot. And then I, one day I realized I was very honest with myself and I realized that at least for me, the reason why I was being quiet was because of pride <laughs> because I didn't want to look stupid. And, <laughs> and I realized that when, at least for myself, when I don't comment, I don't learn as much. Like that is a really key part of my learning process. And, and so I just remember being very brutally honest with myself and realizing my pride <laughs> and and that that was keeping me back from learning and then starting to just comment you know even if I was like well this may come out very poorly but here we go you know and because of that I I became so much better at at voicing my ideas you know on my feet and and not having to meditate a long, long time before I could voice anything, which, you know, 
for some people that's totally fine but for my own personal growth that was a thing that I needed to overcome <laughs> I really I relate to that because I I got in trouble a lot from my mentors being like you need to talk more you need to share more you need to say more things I'm like I don't want to this no why are you making well, me do this <laughs> you've totally gotten over that Tati <laughs> well, okay. In in this situation, I I probably feel more comfortable talking. But like, if if you would see me and if you saw me in any other situation, I like don't talk. I really do have. I it's not that I can't talk articulately. What my problem is is I talk. I think slowly, <laughs> and I have a hard time thinking or speaking before I'm ready to be like, this is what I think. Cause I'm still thinking. So yes, I have to, I have, I relate to that. I still need to work on it, but you're right. A hundred percent. The more I participate and the more I have the courage to just talk, the better things do turn out. But, um, I don't know. I, I I'm glad that you brought that up because I think it, I probably should speak more in certain parts of my life. <laughs> I'm fine talking to Heidi and to all of y'all on the podcast, but there's other times where I, people literally in my life my everyday life have no idea who I am because I I don't want to talk about it so I maybe maybe you're right Brindley <laughs> to just share more not in a prideful way but just to share more so that was a good point um okay so was is there another question you wanted to ask Heidi well Brindley I know that you have two little boys and I mean, I have, I have five big boys now, <laughs> but I know that um, I was just interested in how the education that you got through, you know, Lemmy and the community that you belong to, how does that impact how you mother your boys? Oh, yeah, <laughs> so much. Um I, well, I've tasted of the fruits of quality, right? Quality books, quality thought. And I, that's a really big focus for me with my boys. Um, and for example, um, I, my, my almost three-year-old, um, he loves listening to opera. <laughs> he thinks it's great. Uh, be, and why? Because I, I one day about a year ago, I was like, Jameson, we're going to listen to opera, my friend. And so I turned it on. It was like 10, 10 most loved opera arias or whatever. And, and we just started listening to it. And uh, he now loves it and will ask for it, you know. And uh, I, you know, we, uh, I love I love poetry and so we'll when they're playing just on the floor playing with things I'll read them poetry and Jameson um can quote a little bit of a couple poems which is super fun and you know so it's just beautiful wonderful heart things I love to have part of their life and because I need it in my life and you know, as all moms know, we don't get that much personal time. <laughs> and, and so I, 
definitely uh, fill their time with things that I need for my heart. And I've found that very, very helpful um, as it gives me purpose and meaning with my time with my boys. It's not just passing time so we can get to the end of the day when dad gets home <laughs> so I can have, you know, a buddy <laughs> to to take on the rigors of raising children. You know, our, our time has, um, it's used well, I, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely plan on, on giving them the education that I got to have it it's just blessed my life so profoundly and I I just can't imagine not giving that to them as well and um and we're starting now so <laughs> thanks for sharing I'm thinking about when my two oldest were little and um just think, man, I should have introduced them to opera because I tried when my oldest was five, introducing them to like classical music and those things. And by then she had an attitude and didn't go so well. Still doesn't go so well. <laughs> However, my three-year-old loves, loves classical music. He really likes it. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have started earlier. That was, I, I like jazz standards and musical standards. So she loves listening to Les Mis and she loves listening to those things, but I didn't, I, tr I tried, oh gosh, Vival, no, Wagner, 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 there we go. I tried Wagner and that, that would, did not go over well. So she's like, this is garbage, mom, what are you doing to me? When can you turn it off? <laughs> so I'm glad you're starting young to help them understand the beauty. I'm like, it's so beautiful, like feel the emotion, see how intense it is. She's like, it's just gibberish, mom. So I'm glad that you that every young age um that's awesome so uh let's see if we have any other questions you want to cover this has been really fun and super awesome to get to know a little bit about you a little bit more about you um going back to my list of questions i think we covered most of them yeah I, one of the things that i thought was interesting you know brinley when you were talking about you know being you know, doing the things with your boys that really fed your heart too. I know, I mean, I didn't find leadership education until my oldest was like 13. But at that point I had, you know, varying ages all the way down to an infant. And I needed something to kind of fill, fulfill me, fill, you know, help me. And I started going to let me, um, trainings thinking that I was doing it for my kids and I very soon figured out that it you know Lemmy trainings were like oh my gosh the ultimate self-help thing I mean it's like you know and then when I became a trainer it's like oh my gosh I mean you can apply this to your husband not just your scholars and it's just it has become for me so much of a community and so much of a just a lifestyle that um we all get to share and it just blesses so many people because it encourages you to talk and share this this um wonderful way of of living and thinking and you know 
being with our kids and with each other. It, I don't know. It's, I just wanted to share that just because it's been so meaningful to me. And I'm older than both of you guys. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I actually think it's, it's, it, you're right. The relationships that looking back, like the relationships my mom has formed through, through her community, she still has very strong bonds with those women and they really have been a big part of her life and been there for her for a long time of that. So you're right. It doesn't just make the kids have a great group of friends. It makes the, the parents also have a great group of friends. I can attest to that though. Today I had borscht, which is one of my favorite meals, but it takes a really long time to make. And my friend, we had rehearsal today and she brought me borscht and I was like, this is the best day of my life. Borscht is not something you find very much in the United States. So I was very, very, very grateful for, for that gift. And it's, 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 it's hard to find friends who know and will make you really weird random foods. <laughs> so it's like finding your tribe and building your tribe and connecting with your tribe is really, really important part of of uh, being having a healthy fulfilling life so um i guess before we go is there anything else you'd want to tell any lemmy parents or prospective lemmy mentors um it's so worth it <laughs> and it's it could just change your children's life it really can and i i I'm so, so grateful that my mom was willing to give up the hours she could have had when we were at school for herself, for her own pursuits, to bring us home and give us the education that she knew we needed. I, the sacrifice of that is real, and I, I recognize it, and uh, because of it, I just, I, I feel very deeply the need to give back to, to the Lemmy community. Um, but it's, it's an incredible opportunity you're giving your kids. Um, and there is, of course, the possibility that your kids may not choose to grow, may not choose to really embrace the opportunity that they're given people come to me with that worry all the time about homeschool stuff and um but for me it's it's not about that it's that for those who will choose you're giving those kids the greatest possible uh opportunity for growth that they really couldn't get um, in a lot of other situations. Um, and it's the, the, uh, the opportunity to use your agency in your education is, is huge. It can either have incredible outcomes or subpar outcomes <laughs> that's just a reality of it you know but for at least uh people like like me that 
through whatever reason I was able to choose to embrace the education it has blessed my life beyond beyond words anything that I could really express um so keep keep with it it's worth it <laughs> yeah one of the things that you know the kids that don't choose to take the opportunity and they choose to fail sometimes that's the biggest lesson that they can get and that is the biggest blessing for them is to be able to fail and learn that through failure you can grow and make better decisions so i i have seen that multiple times with kids who you know don't engage as much and then it's like okay next year they totally engage and they just totally get it and you just have to give them that that opportunity to fail because and it is a gift mm -hmm. Yeah. Who would have ever thought like, oh, I'm giving you this gift of failure. Like that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but like it really is so so powerful. Uh it's so it's so powerful. And it's scary though. It's super scary. On the back end, looking back like a, a, as a child going through this type of education and thinking, oh, it was so awesome to have my own freedom. But now that I'm a parent, I'm just like, what was my mom thinking? Like, I totally could have just totally just fallen on my face and not succeeded whatsoever. <laughs> oh, it's so stressful on the end of the parent. I think it's awesome on the end of the kids, but on the end of the parent, I'm just like, I can't let you fail. This is not okay. Well, Tati, that's why we're here doing what we're doing to help support those parents and let them know they can do this. Um, a really great classic call that is um, part of our podcast is um, the language of freedom. And if anybody is <laughs> having this issue, uh, go listen to it. Um, Anelity and um, Tiffany talk about this and it's it's an amazing an amazing discussion that they have so definitely check that out yeah i know it's kind of crazy it's like you can grow up doing leadership education you can have a wonderful amazing experience doing it but when it, the, the push comes to shove and it's you're on the line it's like do i really want to do this this is a lot more than <laughs> we were actually reading in the book of um matthew today when peter walks across the water and my son was like why did he fall? That was, that was not smart. <laughs> My phone's like five, right? And I'm like, well, he fell because he doubted. He's like, well, that was dumb. Why did he doubt Jesus? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I doubt Jesus all the time. I don't know why I do that. It's so dumb. And my other daughter's like, well, maybe it was windy. It scared him. <laughs> Yes, it was, it was windy. It was a storm on the ocean. I think there's plenty of reasons for Peter to doubt Jesus and just fall. And, you know, it's like, it, was, it was a fun conversation that we had with my kids. We we're trying to read the scriptures in the 10 minutes of their attention span this morning. But, like, I think it's, it's interesting that you really phrase it like giving them the gift of failure because, like, looking back, like you said, Brindley, like you chose to succeed, but 
if you really look at the picture of it, it's like your mom gave this gift of failure to you, mm -hmm. right? And perhaps maybe the best gift was that gift of you being able to choose and totally being okay if you chose to fail. And it's beautiful because it, you didn't fail, you know. Yeah, I just have to t keep reminding myself that as like watching kids get older. <laughs> They're doing. I guess the 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 battle I have is like I maybe it would be okay if it was just my kids and me. I think the battle I have is like all the people in my life watching me right and then thinking oh my gosh everybody's watching me and they're watching what i'm doing and if my kids fail then 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 it's like oh my gosh you're doing everything wrong i think that's what maybe that's the internal angst that i have just to turn out the world it's well so tati <laughs> yeah <laughs> tati i i it wasn't until my oldest son graduated like cum laude and um that my brother-in-law one of my brother-in-laws finally realized that oh maybe this homeschooling thing isn't quite so bad <laughs> yep well, I guess I got like 20 like 15 more years before that happens <laughs> if it happens yeah you know, yeah you know. it's been a joy getting to know you Brindley and just learning more about you and your journey and, and everything. And thanks for sharing your inspiration and wisdom with us because it's been really fun to hear your story and oh, your insights. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. <laughs> yeah, it's been so much fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.